It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. We have Ali Moreno and Stevie Nichol in the studio with me, Kay Murray. And the only place we can start is that thrilling Europa League tie between Barcelona and Manchester United. 2-2 it finished. All the goals coming in the second half. Marcus Alonso opening the scoring in the 50th minute. Marcus Rashford replying instantly. Then United went ahead through Jules Koundé own goal. And uh, Rafinha managed to equalise for Barcelona. He put his ball into the box. It ended up going into the net. And it sets things up perfectly for the return fixture next week at Old Trafford. Let's welcome in Mario Melchiot as well to talk more about this. But I have to start with you, Stevie, because mm. I really thought there was a lot of quality on display oh, in this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as, as far as going forward is concerned, then I, I, I would probably agree with you. I think defensively both teams will look at themselves and, and wonder why they gave so many opportunities to the opposition. But that only made it better for us watching it because it was just end-to-end. Yes, Barcelona had more of the ball, which, which we knew was going to happen. But Manchester United on the break, particularly Rashford, I mean, he, he looks as though he's, he's, he's found an extra yard from somewhere. He's just running away from everybody. But, yeah, going forward, great to watch. Defensively, very questionable on both sides. Uh, Mario, how great was this game? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Steve. It was just like entertaining. You want goals. I mean, when you watch football games, I'm sorry, like when you were on the field, you don't want that to happen. But when you're watching, you want that. And I totally agree. If you looked at the team, especially in the middle, you know, the two Brazilian kids, you know, Fred and Casemiro, they, they, the team needed them. Regardless of what the, the back line was uh, going through, they still needed them. I felt like Fred. Yes, like normally I, I really, like I rarely mention him, but I felt the, the game of today, I felt like he was really there. And also the tactical that they changed, you know, because Wechos, he dropped in a little bit. And then, you know, Rashford, they used that meters behind Barcelona really well. I, th- I, I think Man United, um, when they go back at home, they will be very happy because the result is, is in their favour, I think. Think it was a fun game, Ali, this Europa League thriller that Stevie <laughs> doubted? <laughs> it was fun. It was back and forth. And while it was back and forth and it was open, I think Stevie makes a good point. It was mistake-ridden when you consider you only have to go through the four goals to figure out, yeah, there were mistakes everywhere. Why is Fred matched up with Marcos Alonso in a set piece? I don't understand that. In the case of the first goal by Manchester United, Marcus Rashford from a very tight angle shouldn't be scoring there against Ter Stegen, as good as Ter Stegen was in the game. In the second goal, if Manchester United has two players in the corner kick, Barcelona's got to go and send two players. Instead, they send one player, and I would argue it's actually half a player, because Rafinha defensively made no attempt whatsoever to take on or to be able to defend against Marcus Rashford. Mismatch, and then it's a known goal from Jules Koundé. And then Casemiro, who Mario just uh, highlighted there, Casemiro, as they're playing the ball out of the back, turns the ball over, Ends up in the feet of Rafinha eventually. He's trying to find a cross into the box. No touch. And now goes in the back of the neck 2-2. So all four goals come from plays that not only could have been, but should have been addressed 
properly from both teams, and they were not. So while it was fun, I'm not sure that it was well played. I think there's a difference there. It was fun. It was open. It was back and forth. There's 36 shots, which tells you that there's a lot of attempts on goal. But I don't know that either one of the coaches are going to look at this and say, man, defensively we were solid. And that's why this game was in the Europa League. Oh, oh God. just trying to go around is. so that you can just yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah, just no, wanted no, to be right. There he is. Just wanted to be right. Which manager's happier with the results? Otto Stegen. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, ten him too. Sorry, ten, <laughs> oh, ten Hag. Absolutely, he would have snapped your hand off, taken a draw. If it'd been a ten-ten draw, he would have taken it mm. because a draw away from home at Barcelona to bring them back home. No question, you have to think Manchester United are the favourites. But if they defend the way they did today, then maybe they won't be. I, I do have a question about the managers, and I'm not going to address Ten Hag for now. I'm going to, or Ter Stegen for that matter. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to focus on Xavi. Please do. Right. So coming into this match, the conversation about Barcelona hadn't been, if you've been following Barcelona, had not been about their attacking play because they really had not been scoring a lot of goals. It's been about defending. We've been talking about how many games that they have won one nothing over the last month or so. And so defensively, they had consistency. It was Jules Koundé playing right back, Ronald Araujo playing on the right side of the back line, Christensen, and then the only thing that was changing was either Alejandro Valde or Jordi Alba playing on the left-hand side, and those guys you can switch in and out. They're interchangeable. So today, we would have thought, because you have been good defensively, this is the way that you're gonna play. Oh no! Not only are we going to make the change of including Marcos Alonso for Christensen, which I, I, I did not understand, and while Barcelona fans may suggest, hey, but he's scored a goal, that's not what he's there for. He's there to defend. And obviously, it's a speed mismatch with Marcos Rashford or anybody who runs alongside Marcos Alonso at this point in his career. And then, even more troubling, the idea of throwing Ronald Araujo, who had been so dominant as a center back, I'm going to play your right back. And then Kunde, who had been doing a job as a right back, now we're going to put you as center back. It threw Barcelona's back line all over the place. They had been so organized, so solid for a month. I don't know why you change it. Um, yeah. Talking about Rafinha as well, he was visibly upset when he came off, substituted off in this game. Mm -hmm. Was that a wrong decision as well from Xavi? He, Xavi's talked about all these moments, saying he has to rotate the squad because of the busy schedule ahead. Right. So Rafinha is finally playing well, right? <laughs> There's been many a times in which Rafinha hadn't been playing well and he was still on the field. Now he looked at least dangerous. At least he was trying different things. He was cutting to the inside and cutting to the outside. But what I think what Xavi is saying, you know what? We need some fresher legs. We need to bring somebody off the bench who, who, who can give, you, give us something different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't so much care about the substitution if there was another option coming off the bench, that wasn't Ferran Torres. <laughs> See, Ferran Torres hasn't been all that great. And so, I, I, I understand the reasoning from Xavi. I just don't think that it's a choice that he needed to make at that point. And then once Rafinha comes off the field, which I would say this to Rafinha, look, you haven't been all that great. I don't think you have a whole lot of room to be pitching a fit while you sit on the bench. Huh? You were actually getting quite a long run out there. Uh, it's about five, ten minutes to go. Just go and sit on the bench and be okay with it, all right? I understand that you're frustrated, but you haven't done enough with this club and for this manager to be getting upset when somebody takes you off. One player who's been unquestionably great all season is Marcus Rashford Mario, once again continuing his fine form tonight. 
Yeah, no, definitely. You know, like he's a joy to watch. You know, I, I listen to the guys talking, but this is just like a footballer that um, I think. Look, we know Rashford for when he started as a talent. Incredibly, he was doing things that similar to what he's doing now, but now you can see that he grown up so much in the sense of like, um, when he came back, you know, like uh, when he came back in England, he had moments when you could see him talk as well that he felt like the fans were against him. He turned that corner and now he's rising on confidence. And the way Man United is set up, it's all in his favor. If you look as well, the way they play, all the balls go to him. Eh? When he wants the ball, he's going to get it. If he gets into a situation, they look for him. Also because, oh, come on, the pace that he has. And look the way they were set up. Uh, he drops in short. What do the other ones have to do? He creates, they only were creating, hoping that Barcelona's defenders will go tight with Huejos because they know something is going to happen and they have the, the possibility of beyond them. And then Rashford, just the way he plays, the goals he's scoring now. What is it, like, what, 14 now we're talking about? If a kid just plays like that, I think he owes a lot of confidence and also the self-belief is really good. And that's why I think he can do whatever he wants to do at the moment. And he's in a luxury situation because now people are talking, what is he going to do? Is he going to extend his contract? Is he going to stay at Man United? Or is the kid going to you know, do something else? And he's in really a good position at the moment. How do you defend Marcus Rashford when he's playing like this, Stevie? Not like Rafinha. Um, unless you've got somebody who can stay with him, it's very difficult. You know, Barcelona, other than dropping way off, you, you have to trust that, that somebody is going to read the, read the pass, which is very difficult. You know, the, the team is set up for him. You know, you, you talk about contrasting teams today and contrasting styles. I don't remember ever seeing Barcelona hitting a long ball in behind. I don't remember it. There may have been one, but I can't remember. Manchester United, on the other hand, they're not even, they don't even get their head up. Whenever anybody in the middle of the park, and it's usually Bruno Fernandes, but regardless of the name of the jersey, whenever they, whenever they have time, they don't even look. They turn and they hit it in behind. It's not, it's not a case of what will I do next. This is what they do. And Rashford knows. And everybody in United's team now knows exactly what they're doing without even looking up. I mean, that is huge for a football team when you're playing balls blind because you know somebody's going to be there. And right now, the team's set up for Rashford and, and he's actually proven that that's the right move. Because this guy right now really is unstoppable. You know, as I said, unless, unless you drop to the, to the edge of your box, then you're in trouble, basically. I tell you how well he's playing. When he got free in the second half down the right-hand side, he takes a first touch forward. I'm thinking this is going back post, back of the net. And he mishits the ball and puts it in the 20th row. That was surprising. It's gone to the point now to where when he gets in a goal-scoring position, you're expecting it's going in the back of the net. And to see him miss in the manner in which he did, it was kind of like, no, 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 Marcus, we don't want to go back to that level. Huh? You have us used to something different now. He is playing at an outstanding level and consistently good for Manchester United. Uh, he was fouled as well by Jules Koundé in this one, but nothing was given. Ten Hag was upset about that decision, Mario. What did you make of it? Look, the moment when, when Koundé came, I, I think Koundé also knows that he came in late. Like, he came in really late and Ten Hag lost it, and that's why he got booked for that. But the moment is, I just see, like, Rashford was going, his focus was going, he wanted to strike it, I'm sure that he wanted to strike it. But Koundé came, pushed him over, and he was close to even getting a red card for that. 
And I know people will say like, oh no, uh, it, it wasn't time. No, he was late. He know he was late. Should it have been a red? Absolutely. It was a free kick. And what actually did not help the referee was that almost, I think it was, I think it was, in fact, it was straight after that, Barcelona go up the field and exactly the same foul happens outside the Man United box and the ref gives a free kick. I mean, <laughs> yes. you, it was, it was, and you could see every single Man United fan thinking the same thing. Hold on a minute. It's the exact same one, except he didn't give that, but he gave that one. Yeah, that's, Steve, that's yeah, a foul and that's a red card. Steve, oh, when yeah, you well, exactly. that happens to you, you go crazy, right? I will lose but, my head when that happens. <laughs> surprise, surprise, was the game being played? Oh, Barcelona. Well, <laughs> however, Barcelona, wait a second, because Barcelona fans would argue, what about the handball by Fred? Well, because it wasn't a handball. What? Well, what? what? Handball. Talk to us about the handball by Fred. Now, hold on a second. Well, the, the, rules are, the rules are, if it hits, if it hits your shirt, your shirt sleeve is designated basically yeah. how as... Long, how long is if your it hits, sleeve? If it hits... Well, that one's... A, does does your sleeve get to the elbow? Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. It's caught your sleeve. So it's not a foul. No. First yeah. of all, it hits below the sleeve. And second of all, oh. there's an actual oh. arm movement by Fred that goes towards the ball, which we've rarely seen a handball, that actually the, the arm goes towards the ball. I think that was a no-doubter handball. Yes. His hand goes towards the ball. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> Mario, you're the decider yeah. on this one. Yeah, Fred, handball, yes or no? I, I have to give you handball. I am sorry, mm. Steve. i got to go to your You know why? Why is his hand that high, Steve? Tell me why. Why is it that high? He doesn't have to be there. I don't, I, I don't think the height of his arm's got him to do it. The fact that it hits his jersey is the point I'm but, making. But, but it, doesn't, that, it didn't hit I'm his making. jersey. What? That, listen... Uh, that's your opinion. My opinion is, and guess what? <laughs> well, your guess opinion what? is wrong. <laughs> guess what? The referee yeah. and the VAR also oh. had the same oh, opinion oh, wait, as me. Oh, oh wait, hold oh, on. Sorry. Oh, wait, wait, I wait, wait, wait. I do beg your pardon. Wait, wait. I do beg your pardon. So, a couple of days ago, you're going crazy on VAR, and today you're using it as your supporting argument? Oh, so you're just going to get a, no, no, you're no, get a sweeping saying... brush and say no. every VAR's a joke. Oh, you can't no, do that. No, no. What? You can't do that. No, no. But um, what I'm saying is that don't use it as a supportive argument. It hits his arm well, below it is a, it his is, jersey. That's exactly what it is. Below his jersey should have been an A. I, I agree on what you said initially, but it hits the arm below VAR. his jersey. That's a penalty. Ali, VAR is there to support the referee oh, and to oh, get no. the right decision. Oh, so you can't say, oh, don't lean on VAR, it, it, because it, that's exactly it, why you've it's got It's amazing. VAR. It's amazing <laughs> when you take this reasonable oh, yeah. approach, approach with VAR now when it suits let, you let and your argument. Talking. No, Are you going to let me finish? <laughs> the ref went to look. He went to he look. Finished. He had the time to go and look. The ref went to go and look. He looked at the screen, and then eventually he came back and he said, "No pen," because the guy was being pushed on his shoulders. And I was like, I looked at the reply, and I was like, "No, no, no." The hand was for me. <laughs> Do you know what I love? I love how these two are bashing VAR, right? <laughs> VAR, we we have had we've had so many good decisions from VAR. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm willing to stick my neck out and say that not one of the two of them wants VAR to go away. But yet, but yet they're sitting here and using VAR as an excuse. Wait, 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 wait. Seeing how bad it is. Wait, wait. And why am I leaning wait, on VAR? Wait. When it's, oh, hold on, I'm talking. You, you, you talk when I'm finished. <laughs> okay. So okay. VAR is there to be leaned on. So right. don't say don't lean on it. And the mm -hmm. fact is, the guy in the VAR couldn't tell either where it hit Fred 
or else he would have given a penalty. So that's why we use VAR. So I if you two want to say it's a penalty, that's fine. I'm just saying, you can't go slaughtering VAR for no particular reason. First of all, are, are, are you now done? May I go? Ahead? Yeah, you can go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you. Right. A I'm not slaughtering VAR. I'm slaughtering you. I'm not slaughtering VAR. What did he say? I am saying that you are now using VAR to support your argument, Correct. which you don't do regularly. That's all I'm saying. It has nothing to do with VAR. And I'm saying that they got it wrong. I'm saying they got it wrong. They didn't see it. And, and, and have we seen VAR get it wrong before? Yes, we have. So uh, that, I think it was a handball. I think it was a penalty. OK. All right. All right. We were going to leave that one there just for well, the, the main, moment. The main man thought you were wrong. And just to let you know <laughs> as well, the camp now is full today with 90,000 in the stadium, Stevie. For I think this, that probably had something to do with it as well. This uh, Europa League tie that nobody was interested in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pound on you, Stevie. Don't worry, you don't deserve it. Don't right look now. at me for it's support now. She's not piling fair. on. I'm not going to pile on. It's not fair. You're piling on. Mario, you mentioned Vote Veghorst in a deeper role. Ten Hag made some changes today. What did you make of them? No, I think I think. Look, in uh, going forward, um, it was definitely that. The, come on, you, whenever you play at Barcelona, it's a difficult moment to go there because it's always difficult. They, the pitch is really big. Some of the players, when they turn up, you know, the occasion and everything goes into you. So I know that, like certain occasion stadiums, it can get to you. But the way they were playing forward, I, I felt like Man United played well attacking wise. Of course, we highlighted some of the defensive mistakes. Okay, that's part of football. But I felt like there were two teams playing each other and try to outsmart each other. So I think this was a game of plays with also the coaches, like Ten Hag and Xavi, they were trying to outsmart each other with whatever they had. But at the end, I think we still watch the game of, of two teams that want to play football. And I think that's the most important thing why we're watching this. Stevie, were you impressed with Ten Hag today? Yeah. What about their second? Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> I wasn't impressed with Xavi. Uh, that's too easy. I wasn't impressed with Xavi. I mean, I 100% agree with Ali, the fact that what is he thinking changing around his back line? That, that's been <laughs> kind of, that has been the rock mm. of, of the recent results. It makes no sense. The only thing I can think of is because the, old, the, the classic normally for so-called big teams as well, it's the Europa League, I can get some players some games. Some game time. That's the only thing I can come up with. But other than that, no. Xavi's choice at the back, I thought, I thought was horrible. If you're going to rotate players, do it against <laughs> Cadiz on the weekend. You don't do it against Manchester United, even if it is Europa League. This was, I think, a big game for Barcelona. It wasn't the time to be rotating players in and out. It wasn't the time to change your back line, which has been the reason you have been successful over the last month. As for uh, Ten Hag, I would say that what impressed me most is the fact that this wasn't a team in Manchester United that went to defend as they come now. They were organized, and at, at times they were absorbing some pressure, but when there was an opportunity to get forward, they were doing so with a purpose. And they were adding numbers in the attack. And they were willing to commit those numbers. It became a back and forth because both teams were willing to play this way. And I think that's part of the approach. And now the new mentality of Manchester United that we're not afraid of going to come now. We're not afraid that we're playing against Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And we'll take the game to Barcelona whenever we have the opportunity to do so. Bad news for Barcelona. Pedri getting injured. It looks like he's going to be out for a month. How much of a blow is that to them? 
Eh, well, it's, it's major. You know how special Pedri is to me. So this is a major <laughs> blow for Barcelona and a major blow for me personally. Look, in terms of what happens in the second leg, not only is it Pedri that is going to be missing, but Gavi will miss because of a suspension. And then we don't quite know the status of Sergio Busquets. Potentially, he's going to be missing as well. Dembele is not coming back uh, apparently anytime soon, so he'll be missing. And you start talking about important players and important positions for Barcelona. This is going to be a very difficult task for Barcelona in the second leg at Old Trafford. Who have you got going through, Mario? I, I have a feeling that Man United is going to do it, just because just the way they play and the way they set up, and yeah, the highlighted of, of the, the difficulty of Barcelona. I mean, just the, the players that they're going to miss—they are key for the team. Eh? This is this is a team that, with the names that uh, that we just talked about, those are all influential players for the team to make it tick. And I think this might be a problem when they go to Old Trafford. Stevie, Man United. LA. Ah, with a heavy heart, Manchester United. All right, well. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> off the field. Easy, Mario. Easy. Off, off the field, there's been some bad news for Barcelona. That report's coming out. Not good at all. Prosecutors are investigating payments made to a company owned by the then vice president of Spanish football's refereeing committee. That's payments made by Barcelona. Gabriele Marcotti is joining us now to tell us more about this and what kind of trouble Barcelona could be in. Welcome in, Gab. What more can you tell us? Well, uh, so just to clarify, the, these payments were, were made, um, the, the, this whole thing emerged as part of a tax investigation. Uh, these payments were made to a company uh, run by a former referee who, of course, happened to be vice president of uh, the, 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 the technical committee of the, the Spanish Referees Association at the time. Um, and it's a large sum of money. It's something like 1.4 million euros between um, 2015 and 2018 over three years. Now, Barcelona say that, oh, well, we were simply paying this guy um, because as a former referee, uh, he, he gave us technical advice, showed us examples with the rules. Uh, you know, basically a consultant for referees, which is not uncommon. I mean, Real Madrid have a guy who does it too. The big difference here is that uh, the guy who does it for Real Madrid is not an active referee. This guy is actually on the referees committee. Uh, turns out he'd been he'd been paid from 2003 to, to 2018. Now, from a sporting perspective, this falls just outside the statute of limitations, according to Javier Tebas. So uh, La Liga themselves are not in a position to go and take action, but um, there could be other repercussions to this. There's certainly a strong uh, reputational repercussion. Um, and of course, should be said, all of this was done uh, before uh, the Laporta's regime under Jose Maria Bartomeu. Although, and some people I think have missed this, Laporta had been in charge before, of course, and the payment started in 2003. So they would have been going on um, during Laporta's first uh, term as well. Uh, yeah, just to, just to shed a bit more light on the whole situation that Javier Tebas was talking about as well, Gab, saying that because of when it happened, that's why it's out of their uh, realm, basically. Yeah, so there, there's, in terms of sporting justice in, in Spain, if there's certain 
alleged irregularities or so on, uh, after a certain period of years, you have a statute of limitation, it becomes time barred, and uh, uh, they're no longer pursuable. Um, but there are other avenues under which these can be these, these can be pursued. Uh, you know, let's not forget, uh, there's a reason why this company is being investigated. And, you know, I, I happened to speak to uh, a former referee here in England who, uh, uh, who, who did provide that kind of service for, uh, for some teams, but he was not involved at all with um, the PGMOL. Um, and certainly that is a ton of money uh, to pay an individual to provide you with, you know, little video examples and notes uh, and, and things like that about referees in the league and what their tendencies might be. Meanwhile, talking about Barcelona defensively, going back to on the field, Matt is obviously not their best showing today, but Julian Araujo is said to be training with them in Barcelona. If this deal does go through, obviously it didn't go through by a matter of, what was it, seconds in the end between LA Galaxy and Barcelona. If it does go through, what type of player are they getting, LA? Well, they're getting more of a right back than what they have right now. Uh, it doesn't mean that Julian Araujo is going to step in and play for Jules Koundé because Julian Araujo wouldn't be eligible to play until the summer, anyways, until after the summer. But it does give him an actual right back and closer to what Barcelona is probably trying to figure out or find, and that is a player that is a true outlet down the right-hand side. That is what Julian Araujo does. He's good on the ball. He likes to get forward. He likes to provide service. He will add himself to the attack. Now, the big question is, is he at this sort of level? And we won't see this right away, but I think it's going to be to the advantage of Julian Araujo that, that he's going to be able to, at the very least, train with the team and get used to what the, the training situation is, what the style is, the speed of play, everything that Xavi wants him to do before he's asked to perform out on the field. Uh, it'll give him time to get used to his surroundings. In terms of the play that you're getting, is a guy that could potentially answer a question for Barcelona, but that's, that's a big if. We need to see whether Julian is able to then find that sort of level. And I'm not sure that you can compare LA Galaxy with Barcelona at this point. Um, so it's going to take a big jump, but they believe that he's capable of doing it. And we'll take a look at what lineup defensively Xavi will put out this weekend when Barcelona are in action. And then, of course, next week as well in the Europa League. These are Thursday's Europa League results with the first leg knockout round playoffs, the big game that we saw Barca 2-2 against Manchester United, Roma losing to Salzburg, Juventus drawing 1-1 with Nana Bayer Leverkusen getting beat by Monaco. Here is La Liga's upcoming schedule. Barcelona against Cadiz coming up on Sunday, 2.30 Eastern. Coverage will begin for that game. Also, Osasuna against Real Madrid on Saturday, one to look out for too. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, could Neymar be on his way to Chelsea? Our very own Julian Laurent is reporting that PSG president Nasser El Khelaifi and Chelsea co-owner Todd Bowley met in Paris on Tuesday to discuss a potential transfer. Gab's still with us. How are Chelsea going to sign Neymar, Gab? <laughs> well, they, uh, as Jules told us on, on the Gab and Jules podcast, as reported, they simply talked about uh, Neymar and they, uh, amongst a range of other things. I think it's kind of an open secret that Paris Saint-Germain uh, wouldn't be against Neymar moving on and having an experience in the Premier League uh, at this juncture. You know, mainly a financial thing, I think, uh, at this stage. Um, but I think you have to be very, very skeptical about this because, you know, they just dropped a ton of money on Mikhailo Mudrik. And of course, he's the Ukrainian Neymar, as, as he was described. And uh, uh, they have Joel Felix on loan. Maybe they'll want to keep him around. And that's before you get into the massive investment on, on Raheem Sterling uh, and Polisic and Hakim Ziyech still knocking around. You know, you can dump some of these guys, but you can't dump all of them. So, I, I think it was more an indicate. My reading is more an indication of how Paris Saint Germain are are definitely open uh, to moving Neymar on, and maybe Neymar is open to moving on as well. Mario, would you like to see Neymar at Chelsea? I would like to see a striker. That would be my first pick. Not not the quick one. I would not go straight away for a player like Neymar. I, look, I'm not talking about the quality of Neymar. We all know Neymar in a good time. Oh, he would be good for any team. You know, in the moment when he really wants to play and he wants to produce, and when we see the top of Neymar, I think he can play anywhere. But you also have to look at what does your team needs. And if I look at like Neymar, the similarity with Neymar wants is actually what Jao Felix is playing at the moment for Chelsea, the freedom. Stevie? No, thanks. No? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what? We, we've been questioning whether... Chelsea and Todd Bowley know what they're doing. And if they sign this guy, then we know they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, you, you, can, you can argue about the price tags of players, but they're signing rising stars. And maybe in two or three years, when these players have turned into world superstars, we'll be going, you know what? We, we thought this was madness, but actually they had half an idea. Why are you signing a fading star? Why are you signing a guy... Number one, you don't need. And number two, who... Did they think if Neymar was any good, Paris Saint-Germain would let him go? If, they, if, if, if Neymar was the player that we want to see and we've seen, if he was still that player, 
Why would PSG let him go? I mean, surely these are the kind of questions that, that, that the board at Chelsea have got to think. Why are they letting him go? <laughs> I wonder why he's letting him but go. But maybe, Ali, they should also uh, think, but this player can I score just, goals. Huh? Neymar. When, no. he, can't, he, he, no. can't, he can't score goals for, in the French League. How is he going to score goals in the uh, Premier League? Look, <laughs> you really, really, really don't need any more of a circus at Chelsea. I mean, you really don't. And this is what Neymar brings. He may bring a goal here and there, but he brings a circus of his own to add to your own circus that you got going on. He brings baggage. He brings a personality that is going to try to dominate. And he's not nearly as productive as he once was. So none of it, none of it makes sense from Chelsea's perspective. Chelsea lost, of course, to Dortmund in the Champions League this week. Just 1-0 at Yemi's goal, the difference between the two sides. But Mario, you were encouraged by what you saw from the Blues. Yeah, no, they, they, they came out. They were very dangerous. I think um, when, you, when you look at the way they were attacking, you know, like, um, you know, like Ja Felix, I think he was really the central point. Of course, he had to score and there were occasions enough for him, but I think he played really well. Mudrik, I would love to see more. Siek was, you know, trying to assist him. But my question comes to Chelsea. That's the biggest question I have. I like Kai Havertz. I think it's a it's a good player. But if he has to be every week the out and out striker, that is for me questionable. Why I'm saying that is because of course he scored crucial goal for Chelsea. But come on now, this is not clearly. Look, when I was in London at, at watching the Palace game, till now, I have seen enough of them to understand that they they need a striker. They need to go after a striker, find someone that can produce that for them. That does not mean that Kay Hubbard cannot play around it, but he is not, for me, the target man of the strikers that I come across and the ones that I've seen that, that lead the line for Chelsea. And that's why I was a little bit surprised. But, Gab, which strikers are actually available to bring into Chelsea? <laughs> well, I mean, when the transfer window reopens... I mean, you can look around Europe, you can, you can, you can find Osimen, you can find uh, Vlaovic. There's a whole bunch of guys yeah, who are out yeah. there. Uh, they can bring Lukaku back if they want. They can wait for Broja uh, uh, to get fit if they want an, an in-house solution. You know, this idea that who are you going to get? Well, no, I mean, look, if, if you want to, you know, if you expect to get Holland or, or a Kane level guy, uh, those guys aren't available. But, you know, if their policy is to sign... Uh, rising stars. There are players out there that that you can uh, that you can gamble on if you're so convinced that Kai Havertz isn't a striker as so many people seem to be. I, I do remember people were saying the same thing about, including Jose Mourinho, were saying the same thing about Kareem Benzema uh, a few years ago. But um, you know, and he turned yeah. out okay. Maybe Havertz can still grow. Okay. All right, Gab. I, I, I was with you. I was <laughs> with you all the way. I was with you all the way up until you bring up Karim Benzema in the same sentence hey, with Mourinho Kai Havertz. Hey, Mourinho saying it, not me, Jose Mourinho. No, no, no. I, I, Jose I Mourinho didn't bring it up. No, no. got a hunt with a cat. No, Jose Mourinho did not bring it up in this show. You did. You did. And there's no <laughs> level of comparison. There's no level of comparison between Kai Havertz and Karim Benzema. Come on now. That, that's, that's nonsense. Gab, you did no, mention all, Lukaku. All I'm saying is... Go on. Young Kareem Benzema, young Kareem Benzema, 10 years yes. ago at Real Madrid, yeah. uh -huh. was getting a lot of the same criticism from people like Jose Mourinho, who I think knows a thing or two about football, um, along the same lines of what Kai Havertz is getting. 
And then, of course, Kareem Benzema became the, the, the player that he is today and, and the outstanding player. Um, yeah. I just find it curious that like three years ago, people were saying Guy Havertz was the greatest things in sliced bread. And, you know, now people are writing him off. Maybe Graham Potter can work with him, do something with him. Otherwise, and this is my thing with Chelsea, why go and sign Christopher Nkunku, who's also not a traditional center forward, right? What are you going to do? Just, just have a whole bunch of attacking midfielders and wingers and no central striker? Mario, look for me. Like when you look, I played against Benzema when he was a younger age, and believe me, <laughs> he was an out-and-out striker, regardless of what everybody was saying about him. At Lyon, that's where I played him, and I know exactly what he was. But away from that, I'm just talking about. Look, if if you're a Chelsea team, right? For me, the only answer could be the way they have moved so far in the market is that they are anticipating if they don't make it to the Champions League, they need to have key players. And those key players will not join them if they are not playing Champions League. Because some of the guys that came now might be thinking like, oh, if I'm going to go to that team, I want to play Champions League. And you think the fans are... Even when I had a moment when I went to the club and I asked the club how it was structured, this was before the takeover took place, I listened to how they structured the team, Chelsea, and it was all based on playing Champions League every season. And now... They do no different than that. Do we question what they're bringing in? Yeah, of course that's going to happen. But what they are missing out, and that's what we're just talking about, is that striker. What does he mean? It could be expensive like crazy. But guys, come on. We have to go after someone that can deliver the goals. Because if we don't do that, we have a great team, great names, but nobody produces the goals. All right, Mario. So they don't make the Champions League and they have the choice of Neymar, Havertz or Lukaku next season. Who do you want? <laughs> Neymar, Neymar, what did you say? <laughs> what did you, you say? Are you trying to depress Chelsea say, fans? I'm saying... <laughs> try to depress listen, Chelsea they don't fans. make the Champions League. This is a hypothetical, but they have the option of Neymar, Lukaku or Havertz. Who are you taking? Uh, I go for the freebie, then I bring Lukaku back and try to mix him up with something if I have no choice. Stevie? Lukaku! Lukaku! <laughs> what a horrible choice that is. Well, it's not Neymar. It's <clears> not Neymar. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of hankering along with Gab that Havertz might kick on. But if he hasn't kicked on by the end of the season, when, when Potter's got a settled team... I guess I would have to go for Lukaku because at the end of the day, whether you think he's a great player or not, he does, he does score a certain amount of goals. And I was absolutely crying yesterday watching Dortmund against Chelsea. I felt so bad for Chelsea because some of the football we played I thought was great. But it was staring you in the face that how are they going to score a goal? So... Say it! Say it! It's got to, it's got to be Lukaku, I guess. Lukaku! So, now that you've said it... Guys. Okay. I mean, I mean, it does get you a certain amount of goals that Neymar's never getting you and Havertz hasn't been. So, I mean, come on. And he's had a little... It's choose your boy. A, a, it's choose a little your bust poison, up with right? a teammate, Barella, after the nil-nil draw choose with Sampdoria. Maybe things aren't so rosy. Maybe the, everyone had the feeling that he might stay on at Inter. Mm. Lukaku back to Chelsea. He knows how to score goals. Hey. 
But remember how you've answered, the, you've asked the question. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. So don't, yes. So don't anybody be thinking <laughs> we're saying get Lukaku back. Yes. Let's context. Just, let's just context. remember the context exactly, <laughs> Ali. Thank you. Okay, if you got a bus, you can put us under it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, Gab's back actually, so we can get a little bit more. But thank you. I like it. I like it that Mario's telling me I'm the boss. Gab Marcotti is back with us. Maybe he can add a little bit of context to this. Lukaku's little bus stop with Barella after the Sampdoria game, or during the Sampdoria game, right, Gab? There's a feeling for many that once he went back to Inter, although it's on loan, everyone thought, OK, he'll probably end up staying there again, won't he? But could he come back to Chelsea? Well, I think it was going to be difficult for him to stay simply because he makes an absolute ton of money, and the only way he was going to stay uh, is if Inter were going to go and you know work out some absolute sweetheart deal with Chelsea, where Chelsea basically give him for free, give him money to leave, and he signs a new contract. Uh, that was always going to be the case. Uh, given the injuries that he's had, uh, I think he would want to stay. Uh, I think he'd need to take, you know, kind of a massive permanent paycheck, uh, pay cut for him to stay. I don't think the Barella thing necessarily weighs into this too much because, you know, he got annoyed with Barella because Barella was being sort of theatrical after some teammates made mistakes and throwing his hand in the air and, and, and complaining, which Barella sometimes does. Um, I think he grew up watching Cristiano, actually. Um, but uh, long and short of it is, if Chelsea want Lukaku back, uh, I don't think Inter are going to try to force him to, to, to stay. He is on loan. He is on Chelsea's books. And he costs Chelsea a ton of money every year. Well, you can hear more from Gab over on the Gab and Jules podcast. We thank him for joining us. And that's where you'll also hear more from Jules as well about that story with Neymar potentially going to Chelsea. No. <laughs> Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Just a little look at the papers over in England after Manchester City's win over Arsenal. Just another turn in the Premier League title race. Stevie, you've obviously been very anti-Arsenal on this show this season. Wow. A big, whoa, 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 whoa there, Leslie. Wow. Hold on a second. Wow. You mean the first day? 
It was very <laughs> anti-Arsenal. One day, never mind this season. You and then, one and then day. you turned a page and you said that they'd win this game and they didn't. What happened? Oh, I'll tell you. You want me to tell you exactly what happened? And Ketia missed two easy headers. That's what happened. Yeah. I'll tell you what. And Ketia buries these, these headers. Arsenal win the game because the first one would have put them ahead. That totally changes the game. You talk about taking chances. City took the chances. Arsenal didn't. I mean, it's that simple. When was the last time you watched the game with Man City and they had the the opposition had more possession than them? It's significantly. I can't, can't remember. I cannot remember it. <laughs> I can't remember it. More passes than City as well. I mean, the scoreline for me doesn't tell the story. I, I honestly, I thought Arsenal shaded it. They didn't dominate it, but they shaded it. Uh, and as I said, if, if Nketiah takes his two chances and they are... You've got to at least hit the target. Never mind miss the ball or hit your shoulder. You've got to take them. And if he takes them, changes the game. And sometimes a leopard does change its spots. Mm. Stevie now pro-Arsenal. Oh. Manchester City back on top as it stands, though, Mario. Is the title race over? What? Oh, no, is that <laughs> over? No, over? I don't want to say over oh, yet, but I think it's about <laughs> to restart again. And that's what's happening now. And I'm, I'm excited about it. Look, uh, a, a fan you can be, it doesn't matter. But for me, the key thing was, how can we get this going again? Oh, my God, it happened. Oh, the way that game was going, it was just... You couldn't take your eyes away from it because I think if you love football, you got to watch that game. And the way they played, the way they went after it. And also, you know, we highlighted, that we talked a minute ago about the Barcelona-Manchester um, game, but this was a game too. Two coaches, one younger, learned from the other one, but then still are going man-to-man. -man. And he said it after the game. He mentioned it, Arteta, he said, I went all in for it because I expected my team to be good enough for it. We talked about the possession. They had more possession. City just turned that thing. You know, when De Bruyne and, and, and Haaland has that connection, it's very difficult to stop them. So you, you had a, quite the reaction when I said, is the title race over? You're expecting Arsenal to win it this season. Plus, I wouldn't say I'm expecting. I, I, I still... I, I still... Well, put it this way. Arsenal's had a little bump in the road, right? Mm -hmm. And if they win the game in hand, they're still top of the league. So let's not forget that. So I, ex I expect Arsenal to come, to come back strong. And, and I think yeah. what Arteta <clears throat> said after the game is, is fantastic because it means that you know that he's going to be winding them up and convincing them. If anybody's lost any confidence at all in this little bump, he's going to make sure that they get back on the right track, get back right mentally and physically and everything else and get after it again. Because if Arsenal plays the way they did against City, between now and the end of the season, they're going to take a lot of beating. They just didn't take the chances, in my opinion. And are there any concerns for you about the inexperience compared to City's experience when it comes to the title race? Not after watching this game. They didn't lose this game because of a lack of experience. They didn't lose this game because they were beaten by a better side. They lost this game because sometimes football goes that way. If you, even though you're better, you don't take your chances. The other team takes them. You know, things just don't quite get go your way. Just a whole lot of things that happen in a football game that, that is just part of football. But no. Yeah. If, any, if anything, I'm more confident because I thought Arsenal handled everything. Other than the result, I thought mm. they handled everything well. And can, well, 
while we're focusing on Arsenal, can we give a shout out to Manchester City just for a second here in that we criticize Pep Guardiola sometimes for overthinking stuff, which he did at the beginning of the game because this whole Bernardo Silva left back, uh, left outside back, wing back situation, I have no idea. If I were Bernardo Silva and Pep Guardiola comes to me and says that, I'm like, uh, where, where? What do you want me to play? <laughs> but he changed it. To his credit, he changed it. And he made the necessary changes and adjustments to find a different way, different way not only to play the game, but to win the game. We criticize sometimes Manchester City of not having a plan B. Well, this was the definition of a plan B for Manchester City, that it mm. wasn't so much based on their possession, that they, they were willing to go long and bypass the pressure of Arsenal to try to find Erling Haaland. And Erling Haaland was banging in between the two center backs and bringing the ball forward that way rather than try to complete passes in areas in which they could get in trouble. Those are things that were done differently from Manchester City from what we have seen and expected from them in the past. The willingness to not only make those changes, those changes, make the adjustments that are necessary and execute whenever they were presented with the opportunity to do so. It was very opportunistic for Manchester City. It's not what we're used to seeing, but it was effective. They're not always effective. They were effective yesterday against Arsenal. The Edison penalty and, and Enketia, everybody agreed that it was a penalty, but I hear that you didn't. No, I, don't, I, I actually don't know. Listen, I can, I can tell you straight away that when... Through, through the mid-90s, this would not have been even looked at. Nobody would have thought this was a penalty. But again, the way their game's refereed now has changed. And I still don't think it should be given today because Enketi is going nowhere. It's not... Enketi's not running around the goalkeeper to try and go round him and score the goal. He's, get, he's got his shot off. He's ending up behind the goal. So there's nothing Edison's done to, to change what Enketi is going to do. Absolutely zero. He's just made himself big. The shot's been taken. And then here's the other thing. I heard, I heard a lot of people saying, well, if that happened in the halfway line, it would have been a foul. Not everything in football is that way. You know, look at, look at, look at when a defender is shielding the ball out of play. That, that's <coughs> one of those little foibles in football where nobody can explain why we all think that that's right. Because if you do that in the halfway line, the referee's given a foul against you. Right? So that's why I think this, the way the game's ref refereed now, on a situation like that with Nketiah and Edison, I think is wrong. And that's why I don't think it's a penalty. Yeah, so it's a difference, uh, Mario, from the modern game to what used to be in football. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Things have changed, definitely. And um, this moment, like I, like what Steve said, yeah, definitely. When I came to England, this was not be a pen. But now, if you ask me, yes, this was would be a pen. Why? I would jump on it. Will be because his momentum takes the player out. And normally, when it's the other way around in the box, when we go against goalkeepers, they get protected all the time. They get protected all the time. Anything they do, you 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 jump against a goalie, you're gonna get it against you. So now. I feel like this moment he comes with all the speed, he cannot stop anymore, boom, he hits him. 100% a penalty for me. And the way I look at it is, 
if Ederson makes any sort of contact with the ball, I'm willing to look away from the contact mm. that he makes with Enketia. But he has no touch on the ball whatsoever. His momentum then takes him into the path of Enketia. It's not like Enketia is kicking out and creating or generating the, the challenge or the contact. It is Ederson that actually creates that contact because of his momentum, takes him out of control into the path of Enketia, cleans him out, doesn't touch the ball. I think it's a foul. I think it's a penalty. I'm not having you to argue again. I don't, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I understand that today the referees give a penalty for that. But I just don't, I, I don't think that ever in a million years should be a penalty. And you know, you know who didn't agree with you? VAR. <laughs> <laughs> and, v, and by the way, and by the way, again, VAR got it right. So you two numpties oh, are arguing, no. you two numpties are arguing against yourselves. Are you being all anti-Arsenal again, though, saying it wasn't a penalty? <laughs> Hold on. Are you Dan Thomas in disguise? No, no. <laughs> Let's move on, shall One we? day. It was one day at the one beginning. One day. It was one day. One on extra time tonight, Stevie, Ale and Mario will be answering your questions. You can always stay up to date with it by subscribing to our YouTube page. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. That's all we've got time for right now. And we do want to stay in the good books of Stevie Nickel, but there is a little more still to come. Extra time's on the way next. We'll be answering your questions. Stay with us for that. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Poor Stevie. People have been ganging up on him a bit, I feel, in tonight's show. I think he has been led by you, Kate. Yeah, you started it. I didn't start it. Well, These guys started it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Now, hey, now, now we know the true character. Yeah, hey? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're one of those classic. You just stir, stir it up, and then you go, oh, oh, you, oh, oh. Wasn't me. Yeah. Off you go. Yes. Wasn't uh, me. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm just Mario, gonna smile away. <laughs> Mario Melchior's with us, Ali Moreno, and Stevie Nichol. A oh. great friend, Stevie Nichol, whom we love so much. Oh. All right. Let's start with the questions. Uh, this then. seems like a setup for a, <laughs> yes. knock, a knockdown. Yes. Yeah. No, I promise. I promise. All right, Mario, how yes. would you assess Veghorst's impact at Manchester United so far? Uh, what they want him to do, he is doing that. And it's also, I think Veghorst is being really... Um, we don't really watch him so much because uh, Rashford is doing so well. So that's why the focus is not so much on him. That's why people don't really highlight him that much. But definitely, if you're a striker, I got to tell you, I want more goals. Well, he should have scored today. Yeah, he should have, but he 
He's doing a good job, though. Yeah. You've really look been sticking up for United. Look today. at I know. I don't know what's going on here, Arsenal. <laughs> United. He's a striker. But he's really. Yeah, I know. But he's doing a great job for Marcus Rashford. Uh, pulling yes. people away, yeah. leaving the holes and leaving the space, and he's scoring the goal. So, I mean, who would have thought? Vic Horst, when he was at Burnley, I mean, you talk about going back decades to bashing it forward and six foot, <laughs> whatever giant. He's actually playing football, and he's playing good football. And yes, you want your centre, so called centre forward to score goals. I agree with that, Mario, but. At the same time, the job he's doing for his team, and particularly Rashford, I mean, I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> and by the way, Ten Hag's taking it as well. He did, he was happy with him he afterwards. Seemed, he seems to be one of the first ones on the sheet. And he was asked about it afterwards and he was happy with his performance oh, yeah, today. Absolutely. All right. All right, Stevie. I'm going to have to lie down. I know. Arsenal, Man right, United. And, oh. <laughs> and really pro Manchester United today as well, oh. might I add. Unfortunately, you've got to tell the truth. Uh, Ale, is Eric Ten Hag in the top five managers right now? What he's managed to do with this Manchester United side is nothing short of a miracle. Sure. Uh, I, I Look, I, I think the change is dramatic. Uh, the contrast in what we saw from Manchester United coming into the season and what we're seeing today. Yeah, you want to see the hands of a manager all over a team and the impact that he can have on a team. And you're seeing it with Manchester United and you're seeing it with Ten Hag. This is a group that truly believes in the concepts and ideas that Ten Hag is sharing with them and demanding from them. And you're seeing it in the execution, you're seeing it in the individual performances, you're seeing it in the group performance. What else do you want from a manager? He's doing everything right now, everything right, and seems like the decisions that he's making, the players are proving it right out on the field. What do you think, Mario? Top five managers right now, Eric Ten Hag? Oh yeah, he's definitely up there. I think he, you know, changing, look, we have to also, what he changed was a big thing to uh, attack. So a big shift. And I feel like the players are doing what he wants. They understand what he wants. And he has brought competition back on a level that they had before, but higher now because the competition what they had the last couple of years wasn't high enough. So that's why I feel like the team is performing because they know there's somebody behind me that can take my spot. How has Tottenham been able to play so well against Manchester City without Conte on the sideline, but not so good since he returned for the last few games? Is there anything in that, Stevie? No, it's got nothing to do with Conte not being on the sideline. <laughs> they went about, they, they, they go about the game exactly. Whether Conte was there or not, Conte's the man that, that has the game plan and tells them what to do and has got his staff passing on. What, what he wants them to do. Yeah, he's staying in Italy now while he does realise that he needs to recover further from the gallbladder surgery. Yeah, and, the, and the, that make, the fact that they won makes it easier for him to do that. You know, had they lost and then maybe lost again and then he's like, I need to get back here. But no, you, 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 yes, they won the game, but no, Conte was all over it. So then, but losing to Leicester, losing to Milan, you, think he sh you don't think he should be back in? Obviously, he's got to recover now, but you, you don't think it'll be questioned. Absolutely. I'm not going to question his decisions for his not health to pass. Not at all. Okay. Well, they should. Anybody who does is scaremongering. So they're, they're trying to stir something. Yeah. If somebody starts doing that, yeah, absolutely. So nothing to do with him not Nothing, being... not at all. <laughs> well, 
She asked you three times just to make sure. Do you want me to say yes? <laughs> no, you know, and it's good. Someone taking control of the health as well, and he's realised that he came back a little bit too soon, and that's why he's resting now. Okay, don't don't try to change it now. Okay. You're being a human being. That's normal. I was I'm being kind to Conte here. All right, question for Ale. After Man United's draw against Barcelona, the club that is at the top of La Liga. What chances do you give of a struggling Liverpool winning against a struggling Real Madrid in the Champions League? Mm. I think it's actually going to be a good game. Because both teams, while they do have some talent, they both have frailties. So I imagine that Liverpool against Real Madrid may be very similar to what we saw between Manchester United and Barcelona. That it'll be a back and forth that it'll be high energy, not with the highest level of quality defensively, with some mistakes sprinkle and a lot of goals. I, I cannot make an argument for one club or the other. I would say that if I had to pick, I'd pick Real Madrid simply because of their success in Champions League and the personality that they take in Champions League, which is different than what we see or have seen so far in La Liga this season. Uh, regardless, I think it's going to be open, it's going to be back and forth, there's going to be chances and it's going to be about the team who's more effective taking those chances. How do you feel about it, Stevie, for Liverpool, as a Liverpool perspective? I'm a worried man. Mm. I mean, you can say, that, you can say that, that Real Madrid are struggling, but you still expect them to win when they step on the field. You, you can't say that about Liverpool right now. You don't expect Liverpool to beat anybody right now. I mean, that's the honest truth. You, you really don't. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a worried man. Um, I'm going to just go to a next question here on Nine Soccer Mom, who says, Guys, did you ever have things thrown at you during a game when being subbed out or after scoring? How did you handle it? Maybe it fired you up more. Did that ever happen to you, Mario? Oh, yeah. I had When I played for Holland one time, um, they threw something and I went down on the floor and then the guys, one of the players came to me and said, Mario, keep moving away from me. Um, I think when th things get thrown at you, you don't want to throw anything back because you're never going to win anyway. So for the mom or whoever asked it, I, I think just always try to be the bigger person and walk away from the danger and it's always difficult because sometimes people are questioning us and say like why did we do that because we are still human beings so we will react to certain things but the best way if you ask me now don't do anything walk away because you're not gonna win did that ever happen to you LA sure <laughs> batteries beer um... <laughs> On the way to the stadium, we got thrown out bags of uh, bodily fluids as well. Uh, look, you name it. Back in the old day, and I suppose I, I'm closer to the old day than, I'm, than I am to the new day, if you will, anything went. And, uh, it was normal, right? Yeah, it, it, you almost, I mean, you come to expect it. I know it sounds ridiculous to come to expect that being hit with a battery, but, or whatever else I just mentioned. Uh, but it, it kind of came with the territory. And if they're throwing stuff at you, you probably have done something good. You probably have done something well. You probably have scored an important goal. That's a compliment. Yeah, well, when you are hit or struck with a bag full of bodily fluids, it's not, you, you don't take it as a compliment. So you gotta, you know, it's a little bit of dodgeball. <laughs> Duck and diving. Stevie. 
The worst was I got spat on. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, that yeah, one too. Yes. That one too. Yeah, yeah I got I got I got yeah. spat on coming down the tunnel at Old Trafford in the warm-up. And and I can assure you I didn't handle it well. I chased the guy when he disappeared <laughs> up into the terraces. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't. I so you went into the stands. I was trying to climb up into the into the, <laughs> but the guy disappeared yeah. up there. Mm. Yeah, that's that's horrible. Understandable reaction. That's uh, yeah. 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 It's demeaning. It's, uh, Do you know? I remember um, Paul Walsh. We were playing Southampton, and a guy called Kevin Bond. And I didn't even actually see what happened at the time. I just sort of turned around and I saw Paul Walsh wa walking off. This was in the first half. And what had happened is Kevin Bond had spat him on the way back and Walsh had just hit him and then walked off. Wow. We came in at half, we came in at half time and Kenny basically said to Walsh, you know, I'm going to go at him, what's this? And he went, he spat right on me, he says, he spat right in my face. He said, and I, he says, I don't yeah. even remember hitting him, but I just lost it. And Kenny went, mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's probably yeah. the only thing that's acceptable to get sent off and nobody's going to ever, nobody's going to say anything to you. Somebody spits right in your face. Yeah. Totally She's agree. crossed out. Kate's oh, crossed yeah. out. Yeah. Wonderful this. subjects. I, got spat, I did get spat on at a stadium once. So if you had the yeah. Real Madrid box mic, uh, you weren't very well liked, so they suddenly realised wow. to take that off. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. All right, Ga uh, no. How is that not a penalty for handball at the end of the Juve game? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's clearly a penalty, isn't it? Yeah. And they're calling the foul on Bremer on the jump, but he just, he out-jumps the defender. It's not his fault that he can jump higher or that he can time his jump better than the defender can. I think it was clearly a handball. It should have been a penalty. Stevie, can we have your account of the Hanson-Kenny story, please? Okay, so... <laughs> Don Hutchison has shared some very old footage of Stevie's old teammate, Alan Hansen, talking about a practical joke that they played on Stevie. So I'll let you tell your side of the story. Well, they played that, they played that on me the, the weekend of the Champions League final when we were playing in Rome, 83-84. This, like, this is like the weekend before the game. So we had gone to Israel for a break. And so we'd been for a few beers and we were sitting and I'm sat with Hansen and Kenny was up the other side of the table and a few of the other boys. And Kenny had been pretty quiet. And then all of a sudden, a taxi appeared and off he went. And I turned around to Alan Hansen and said, because I'd had a few by then. I went, what's wrong with him? What's he miserable about? Preparing for the championship. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Hansen was so quick to jump on stuff that he just gave me a look and then looked away again and then stared at the table. And I'm like, what's up with you? And he did it again. Slowly looked at me and said, I can't tell you. And he had you hooked. Oh, <laughs> honestly, he had, he had pulled me straight in. So then I started going, you can tell me. I won't tell anybody. You know me, I wouldn't do that. And he went, right, you can't tell anybody, but Kenny's got an incurable disease. I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> and I went, when did he find out? And Alan went, do you remember two weeks ago when you knocked him down in training? I went, yeah. <laughs> he went, that's when he found out. And I'm like, oh no, it wasn't me, was it? Now I felt bad because I knocked him down. So he must have had all these tests. 
and found out he had an incurable disease. And so I'm sitting here like that, and Big Al went, why don't we go and see him? <laughs> and I went, all right. So we got a cab. So we get in the cab, we're going through Tel Aviv, and I take a look to my left and I see Hanson by the window. And I swear, even today, I swear he was crying. <laughs> I swear he was crying. <coughs> and I've leant over and I've said, look, I said, when we get here, don't be, don't be crying. I said, we, we can't, don't be showing him any pity. I said, that's not going to help. <laughs> and then he started again. I mean, he was, obviously he was trying not to laugh. He wasn't crying, trying not to laugh. So I get to the, we get to the hotel and he says, look, you stay there. Get us a couple of drinks and I'll go and make sure Kenny's okay to see you. I went, all right, yeah. So I go and get a couple of drinks. 10 minutes later, I get in the lift and go up the stair, tap on the door and I come in. Of course, it's like really somber and quiet. Kenny's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, nah, I'm not bad. He says, have a seat. So I sit down. I said, well, I said, you know, you know, I mean, how? And he went, look, he says, I know you knocked me down a couple of weeks ago. He said, but it's not your fault. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm down. He said, I had all these tests and yeah. But you know what? I'm just, I'm going to make the best of it. So Big Al piped in and went, I mean, have you not noticed anything recently about, about Ken? You know, how he's been, how he's been doing. And, and I went, I goes, I, you know we're playing that well recently, have you? <laughs> <laughs> so then I'll, then I'll big Al, again, we'll try not to laugh, and big Al went, you know what? He said, I'll, I'll see you down the stair. Kenny needs to get to his bed. I'm like, aye, all right, and off I go. Anyway, I get to the lift and I hear this laughing and I'm like, oh. <laughs> like myself, what's that laugh? Where's that coming from? Anyway, he came down the stair and a couple of hours later he told me it was a wind up. <laughs> but I was, I was hook, line and sinker. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was... Oh, dear. And then you just and told... Was, and you've been was, playing awful, so it's understandable. I, I, I <laughs> that, was four, that was four days before the Champions League final. I know, I like the bit that you were you were all preparing so well for it as well, that what oh, you were putting your bodies through. Yes. Uh, great to hear. A lovely story as well. But yeah, that's been doing the round. You can see Alan Hansen's version of it if you go and see Don Hutchison's timeline on Twitter. Thank you so much for sending in your questions today. We'll be doing it all again tomorrow. Make sure you join us then. Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash FC.